Hey, you listening to this right now, I hope you're having a good day. It's a, it's a bit rainy and cloudy outside, so I feel like today's a good day to talk about some talking heads, and I might be feeling like I might, might want to speak in some tongues here. There you go. <laughs> a great start. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, welcome back to, uh, hey... Listen to this. Uh, I am the one and only Ryan Kearns. And I'm the one and only Matt Derzik, as far as I know. And Matt, you uh, you look much better in person as compared to a video screen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we yeah. are recording this episode live, baby! We are live and in... I was going to say in jive, and it's like, no, that's stupid. <laughs> well, I mean... Uh, we are live. We are okay, live. That's okay. the important part. So, yeah. So today we are taking we're we're still like you know going into that classic rock phase. However, we're going we're going a little deeper with this uh this choice here. We're uh we're doing an album by a band called Talking Heads. Yes. And not the album. This is the band called Talking Heads. I Is is there an album called that? I, I feel like the album that has Psycho Killer on it has... No, that's like, Talking Heads 77. That's yeah, the first one. Yeah, I don't... Again, not much of a Talking Heads head, but... No, me neither. But uh, I, I do know a little bit about them. I've read up a lot on their history. So this album, I believe, was released 1982, I want to say, right? I think 1983, but... 83 was still... Uh, yeah, um, either or... So, yeah, for those of you who were not familiar with uh, the Talking Heads, I got a quick rundown here. Their most notable member is one David Byrne. Mm-hmm. His most iconic image is him in that big suit. Yes, and, in the uh, once-in-a-lifetime music video. And a little bit about like this band as a whole, they are art school kids. They, they yes. found each other in art school, and... That is just the main thing. The album before this one, they teamed up with one famous British producer, uh, Brian Eno. Uh, well, they actually teamed up on him for a couple of, of albums, now that I'm looking at my notes here. They uh, teamed up with him with more songs about building some food, Fear of Music, and Remain in Light. So, like, they have a history with uh, Mr. Brian Eno. And, yeah, the only other thing that I will say about this band as a whole is the fact that they kind of have a very turbulent history in terms of, like, the band, the uh, bandmates infighting. Which is interesting that you bring that up because it's not surprising that that happens whenever you have a, a lot of people with a lot of talent trying to do the same thing at once. Yeah. You're going to have some ego eventually. Yeah. But kind of getting into the first... Uh, song on this album which is the one song i think a lot of people know more than anybody else as far as like uh talking heads is concerned uh burning down the house uh top 10 hit for the band their only top 10 hit oh yeah and it's interesting you talk about the turbulence of the band because my first thought was oh i I did not hear it on this track because this this track is very much a team effort everything on it clicks yeah absolutely man like It, for years, like I knew about this song's existence, but it came back into my consciousness whenever uh-huh. I was watching the uh, Walking Dead. Oh, nice! Yeah, in the, one of the later seasons, I think it's the last season, they distract a horde of zombies by playing this song. 
So, yeah, the you were talking about like, you know, how this song and like basically highlights how well this band gels together. I feel like th- like, you know, this whole album is, you know, a, like we're going to talk about so many aspects of how well they jive. Like it, it's incredible what they do. Like yeah. We, we like in our last episode we talked about like, you know, Led Zeppelin and how like, you know, well that band grooved. Right. Like one of my favorite like, you know, band members in this band is the bass player Tina Waymouth. Like her bass playing is phenomenal, dude. It really is. And her especially for what the talking heads were at this point in time, because early on they were very art rockish, which means they tried anything and everything. But there's always a funk or um, very four on the floor element to their music. Yeah. You can go back to stuff like um, Psycho Killer, <clears throat> excuse me, or Take Me to the River, and especially on their previous album before this, uh, Remain in Light. The funk element and the dance element seemed to be what David Byrne was building to. Uh-huh. He was definitely getting more influence from uh, world rhythms, from uh, New Wave, and he locked up with everybody else in that band. Uh, Tina Weymouth, as you mentioned, Chris France, who was not only the drummer, but the husband of Tina Weymouth, yeah. and uh, Jerry Harrison, who was the keyboard and guitar player for the band. So at this point they were very much moving from art rock to dance rock or post disco or I don't even know what the hell you call it, but it's very much uh prog rock in a sense of very dance like music. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh you can tell like this is a band that has a bunch of art school kids in it if you really think yeah, about it. Yeah, you really can. You really can. Um, they're they're trying to make the smartest thing they can imagine yeah. while also trying to have a good time. And yeah. they they succeed. Yeah. They succeed. Yeah, just uh like uh again getting back to like the song at hand. Like one, David Burns vocal delivery. <laughs> Yes. Oh, oh my gosh! Like it, it can rub. It probably has the capacity of like rubbing some people the wrong way. Yeah, I love it though. Like on this song, there's some songs probably in most notably like I, I feel like his vocals miss a little bit on the last song. We we can talk about that much later on. Yeah. Uh, however, he he he's definitely uh, a 100 percent of showman on this particular track, and. Yeah. Like that, the interplay between the bass and the drums, that bass riff, man. Like again, oh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be a fanboy for Tina Weymouth for the uh, the rest of this album. But like, yeah, that the vocal overdubs during like you know the um, verses, and yeah, just overall, fantastic song. Really is a fantastic song, and I know you mentioned Weymouth and in, in, in France and Burn. Burn, I'll talk about him first. Uh, again, we talk about these kids or these players in the band being art school kids and having this sort of smarter-than-thou mentality. There's no way, I'm, I'm highly convinced there's no way that David Byrne got his vocal leanings from anywhere other than what he studied from the likes of Mick Jagger. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, a Stones fanboy here, but 
the, I remember reading once, um, I forget who wrote it, but something they said that Mick Jagger was very much uh, responsible for creating this panache of singer where it didn't matter what you were saying as long as you had the basic understanding of making things, you know, click to the melody and be somewhat intel, you know, intelligible. Like you can't mumble like, but as long as like you were trying to say words, if it floated along with everything else going on, it was fine. Man. And Jagger was expert at that, and Byrne I think is even more expert at that. Yeah, because I can understand oh, half the stuff he's saying. <laughs> Yeah. Not just on this song, but on the entire album, and I don't care. His <laughs> phrasing makes sense, and you could be talking about the most insane gibberish you could think of, but the music is always there, and he knows it. So he's just going along with the music. So in my notes here, I actually um, did do some lyrical, like you know, analysis per song. So like you know, we can get a little bit of context here, okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> I again. Like, whenever we decided to do this album as a review for an episode, yes. like, I knew Burning Down the House, and I knew that this was a good album, but I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and I'm very glad that I got, got into this album. So, like, went front to back, and I'm like, okay. Like Matt, I was like, okay. I want to know what this guy's talking about here. <laughs> so... Specifically with Burning Down the House, I'm not going to go, like, I'm not going to sample any lyrics here, but, like, essentially this song is about a guy who's just like, well, hey, I'm in incredible debt, and my life is complete crap. Just burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> so, it doesn't get much deeper than that, so. Very, very basic stuff. Yeah, so, that's all I really got to say about this song. I mean, fantastic. I, I will add one more thing, because I, I, I talked about Burn. I want to give a shout out to Jerry Harrison for his particular like keyboard work on this. Oh yeah, it, the, the 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 sheen and it's like the sheen and the finish on like a sports car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what he did. The little bleep bloops and the the guitars on top. I mean, if if the song were just David Byrne, Tina Weymouth, and Chris Franz, it'd be fine on its own. Yeah. But the little keyboard riffs and the synth riffs and the guitar, it just brings it all together and makes it a very good art rock song and the tragedy of this song i'm glad it was a single and i'm glad this album was somewhat successful but the tragedy of it was that it was released uh in the early 80s Man. because spoiler alert by the mid 80s and the late 80s to me this would be the sa the sound of pop in america very synth based very funk based um you know, bands like the Human League that would come along and make this into like truly high level potential. Talking Heads seem to be just a couple years ahead of that time. If they released this in like 1985, 1986, they probably could have gotten even bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And even at that, like, I was thinking about this while listening to this album, the like yesterday when I was, when I was walking my dog. Uh huh. Like, if this album was even like released, like, modern age with like modern recording oh it would be probably like this band would be the biggest band true yeah it would be up there with like in terms of like you know indie hipster bands like you know black country new road which we might do an episode on that uh, maybe in the future hopefully 
Right. I, maybe I can convert Matt over to the cult of Black Country New Road. We'll see. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Again, the fantastic opener. And for those who are just checking out the album, if you just... If you come for just this song, there's so much more album to dive into. There really yeah. is, for, for better or worse. Yeah. So let's move on to the second song on the album, uh, Making Flippy Floppy. Million dollar name for a song. Really is, because <laughs> you're just sitting there thinking to yourself, what does this mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> this song still kind of has that, you know, funky world music feel that Burning Down the House did. Yes. However, Burns' vocals are a little bit different on this one. Very much different. Yeah. Like, he seems not, like, you know, as defiant and, like, you know, as, like, you know, hey, screw it all, I'm going to burn down the house. Yes. Like, he actually seems like he's desperate and he's, like, you know, trying to, like, you know, either fight for something or, like, you know, just, like, he's almost, like, scared for his life, I think. I, I don't know. What do you think? I, I I don't know either. It's it's hard to decipher. Okay. Um, I was kind of... I mean, first of all, I just don't know what making Flippy Floppy is. My best guess... I'm I'm almost wondering if it's like a... Uh, a commentary on making music. Because, obviously, the main way to make music back then or to release music was on vinyl. Yeah. Which, you know, is relatively Flippy Floppy. So maybe that's what he was referring to. But that's a guess. I feel like he, whenever he's talking about like making flippy floppy, right. it's more about like you know the. I don't know how to phrase it. It's basically the satirization of like you know, sex. I was thinking that yeah. too. Um, I was also considering possibility that you could be talking about dancing, you know, yeah. like flipping and flopping, yeah. like they used to in the fifties, or you know akin to like a Fred Schneider, the B-52s. But again, that I think plays into the intrigue of the Talking Heads, which is that they purposely, especially Byrne, purposely keep it vague Mm -hmm. because they know that it will attract interest, but at the same time, if it doesn't attract interest, it doesn't matter. So whenever they have the groove going like they do, and they do have it on this one, um, it's, it's kind of interesting how... I haven't listened to their previous album in full, which is uh, Remain in Light, mm-hmm. but I do know the first two songs on, on that album, which are Once in a Lifetime and Cross-Eyed and Painless, both very good songs. Yeah. And it, one thought I had when listening to Making Flippy Floppy for the first time is the similarities of tempo between the two. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, Burning Down the House is sort of that same mid-tempo, uh, noticeable pop sheen that... Once in a Lifetime had, and how this song was a little faster, a little funkier, and a little more crazed in a sense. Oh, yeah. The, uh, again, like, uh, the looking at it from the lyrical standpoint, and then we can dive into, like, more of the uh, uh, instrumentals, because there's a lot of great stuff to talk about even further. So this song is actually very anti-authority focused. And okay. I, if I can remember the lyrics cor- correctly, I don't have them pulled up on the screen here because I'm going to make an honest man out of me. Okay. <laughs> like, it's almost like uh, 1984-esque. Like, hey, you got to be in line. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to okay. do this. And yeah. one of my, two of my favorite lyrics that I'm going to call out, and then I'm going to make a, uh, 
I'm not sure if you ever heard about the famous Ronald Reagan spoof on, not spoof, but mess up that he ever said about Russia. Nah, I'm not familiar with it. Okay, I gotta pull it up. I'll, I'll talk about it after this lyrical, like, you know, uh, deep dive. So, one of my favorite lyrics out of here is, No one makes a monkey out of me. Yes. Yeah. I, I do remember him saying that a lot. I'm thinking, what is that about? <laughs> and the other lyric, and this is where I'm going to talk about, like, how, like, you know, the Ronald Reagan thing. The lyric goes, Our president's crazy. Did you hear what he said? And David Byrne did not care for Ronald Reagan as a president. Right. And A lot of people didn't. <laughs> it was... It's thanks to uh, the podcast Bands Plane that I was able to find out that Ronald Reagan made an off-the-cuff remark while uh, testing a microphone before his scheduled radio session. Uh-huh. And the off-the-cuff remark was, My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We will begin bombing in five minutes. Jeez. <laughs> Well, thank you and good night. Holy crap. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to bring that up, especially considering, like, the lyric, Our president's crazy. Did you hear what he said? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anything else you want to talk about in terms of the instrumentals on this here? Uh, not really. Again, I think everybody does, again, a, a very good job as far as, you know, bringing the heat. And, again, a very similar... Song not just to Cross-Eyed Painless, but also kind of in a sense to um, the first track on the album. Yeah, you know, keeps that vibe going of of a good dance party. A couple things I want to mention before we uh, go on to like "Girlfriend Is Better." Yes, the guitar work in uh, making "Flippy Floppy" that that staccato, like you know, yeah. riff that he does, Jerry Harrison. It's really, really interesting. Like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it, like they could have kept going on with the funky elements, but they definitely make good use of, like, all the parts of their instrumentation. Yes. Yes, they do. And the, like, even later on, that guitar solo makes great use of, like, you know, the, the, the effects pedal board. Right. And also the synth part, like, you were shouting out, who's the synth player for this? this I think it's also, it's either Harrison or Byrne. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if they hired a hand for this one or not. Yeah, I maybe one day I should look into the liner notes of like the, this stuff before we do a deep dive. Yeah. However, okay. like the synth part gets spacey and funky, mm. and I, I really love like I know that you mentioned this in the last uh, last segment here, but like the the groundwork that the synth lays. For like everything, there's one particular track later on that I find like the dynamic between the synth and the rest of the band to be really good. Yeah, yeah. So, girlfriend is better. Girlfriend is better. Now it doesn't really take too much to uh, consider what the meaning of these lyrics are in a sense. Yeah. Um, at least at the base point, uh, I'll, I'll let you deep dive into what they mean again. Yeah. The one thing I will say about this song is that. Again, it does maintain that dance groove. Um, you know, Weymouth, France, and um, Harrison all do very good in that regard. And Burton, of course, does the burn thing where he delivers lyrics for that uncanny style that he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was the first track on the album where I kind of was a little turned off by some of the effects on the guitar and the keyboard. 
uh, particularly the solo. I didn't hate them, but I kind of thought this is the part. And, and, and there's so many different albums I've listened to recently uh, that do this, that sort of get in their own way. Yeah. I know an album that really got in its own way that I listened to recently was uh, uh, Sheik Your Booty by Frank Zappa. Oh, okay. And I like Zappa, but that album is frustrating. I like a lot of it, but it's a very frustrating album because you're thinking, okay, you got something good. Why did you Why did you change that? What What are you doing? <laughs> the yeah. Talking Heads don't do that much on this particular song, but it, it feels like the solo and some of the uh, uh, sound effects in the back, like there's, there's a wow, wow, sort of like guitar zap sound effects. Yeah. It feels less being smart for the sake of having a good time, yeah. and more being smart for the sh- chance to show people that you're smart. Yeah, I, I would say that I, I can get behind your uh, thinking on that guitar solo bit because it, it is definitely interesting. I'm like, uh, this is kind of weak. Like, I'm not even sure if this is a guitar <laughs> solo at a point. Like, it's, it doesn't it doesn't even have to be a guitar solo. Yeah, but it just feels like it's there. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just there to be there and to show, hey. Here's what we did with a guitar once, and I'm just like, cool, I guess. Yeah. Doesn't add anything to the song. Doesn't take away from it, but I don't know. I, I, I that, that was kind of the first part of the album that really sort of uh, turned me off a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a hot take here. Are you ready? Okay. I like the little stingers. You like the little stingers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I can totally understand like how like you know you were like, yeah, no, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. The one thing I really like about this uh, this song is that that chorus. Yes, it's definitely an earworm. It really is. Yeah. It really is, and it, it definitely does sort of swing things back because the previous song didn't really have a chorus. It just kind of went on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this one goes back to a m- bit more of a structure as far as you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. But in this particular song. You know, the, the defiant vocals are still there, and there, there does seem to be an otherworldly element or sort of a hidden meaning to it. Yeah. Uh, I do not know what the hidden meaning is. I will defer to you for that. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah. Um, so the the lyrical analysis here, like, I'm, I'm not going to go super deep into it. It's basically okay. like, man wakes up after having an affair. Gotcha. Man realized that, oh, hey, I made a mistake, and I have a girlfriend who is better. Oh. So. That's, oh, I did not, I did not perceive that from the song. Yeah. So, yeah, um, not much more other than that, man. Not really, although I will say, um, again, like I said at the top, not the biggest Talking Heads fan. Yeah. And not really heavy into that, but at the end of the song when he talks about uh, stop making sense. I was like, ah, I know what that means. That's an that's a album title. <laughs> yeah. And if, uh, if I can remember correctly, like in the previous song, making a uh, flippy floppy, which, wait, was that the previous song? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he does do a callback of like, you know, not a callback, but like something about like, you know, still not making sense. And now, and girlfriend is better. He's just like, you know, stop making sense. And then stop making sense, making sense. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. thinking, yeah, is that a statement on one's own, or what are we going with here? Yeah. So, yeah, I again, I I feel like this song is one of the highlights out, highlights out of the album. That's fair. I wouldn't put it in that category, but I, I can see why 
Um, it, it'll probably be in the top half for me. Yeah. Okay. At least. So, on to the next song. The next song. Yeah, the, that next song is Slippery People. Slippery People. Um, I'll let you start on this because I kind of need to think for a second as far as what I actually think about this song. <laughs> Aside from everything else we've already said. Yeah, pretty much. So, they, uh, a couple of notable things here. The, again, uh, shout out to my girl Tina Weymouth. Yes. Uh, that bass intro is super tight. Mm-hmm. Um, more of a stripped back start to this song, though. Um, from what I could, if I can remember correctly. Yeah. And, like, just a, a couple of, like, other notable things. Again, in terms of, like, highlights off of this album, this song is, it's a good song. Uh, it's yeah. not one that I'm gonna, like, yeah, I'm gonna go back to the song. Uh, yeah. it's not gonna go on any playlist of mine. Right. However, like, the call and response vocal play is great. Yes. During, during the, uh, chorus. I, I will say that I did like that very much. Yeah. And it definitely shows the wide range of influences that uh, Bird is diving from yeah. uh, to create this sound. Yeah. Um, I, d- I did like that. I did like that chorus uh, with the call and response. And like the uh, part in the middle uh, where it gets spacey with the synths and the piano, like the piano underlayment is super, super nice, super detailed. Yes. Uh, like, and the only other thing that I will say, though, is... We're talking about like how the band comes together as a unit for the majority of this album. Yeah, like I love how they play off the motif in this particular song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, did that give you enough time to like you know formulate some uh, opinions? A little bit. I will say again that the the chorus is very good. Um, I do like the sparse opening. I do like the sparse opening. It's uh, very and uh, a sort of peek behind the curtains here. Um, I the first time I listened to that album, I was driving, and I was driving like near, like on a highway. Yeah, and somehow that just adds context to it, mm-hmm. a, a very like city like feel to uh, this track. Um, but again, the, the the band sounds fantastic. Uh, Burn, I think, um, sort of dials back the pronunciations a little bit. Yeah, and just sort of goes with the flow of the song. Um, I, I just I I would probably put this song see this is we, we talked about this with hot fuss by the killers yeah you could make an argument and we'll get to why that this album yet again is very much uh first half heavy okay okay um not that the back half is bad by any means but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get into it I would say maybe one song out of the back half here like are you considering like you know from this song on is the back half, or like from... I would say the the back half starts after the next song. After I get wild, yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah. uh, any other thoughts about uh, those slippery people? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. So, and for those of you who are like Ryan, I want you to tell me what the lyrics mean. What does it all mean, man? <laughs> so, uh, this song is just talking about like you know, it, it takes a uh, a a poke at, like, a religious-going people, like, you know, charismatic preachers and Congress, uh, congregations of their, that they, uh, those preachers leave. Uh, churchgoers convulse on the ground, speaking tongues, and are led by the, by their charismatic pre- preacher. Wow, speaking is hard today. I'm speaking in tongues right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, bless you, bless you, son. And the term uh, slippery people could be um, again, talk about preachers, just reading my notes here, and just, like, you know, how, like, you know, people, like, you know, very, like, you know, 
like slime ball-y kind of. Yeah. yeah. And so, so far we've gone through affairs, uh, criticizing Ronald Reagan, uh, criticizing the church, and dealing with the economy. Yeah, yeah. this album was released in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Man, <laughs> David Byrne's a punk rocker, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fight the power, man. <laughs> so... You want to get you want to get wild? Let's let's get wild. Okay. So I get wild slash wild gravity. Uh, I'm gonna let you take the lead on this. Okay. Uh, I will start by saying that I actually kind of hated this song for about the first minute. Okay. Because as we've been talking about so far, the vibe of this album is very much dance party, dance rock. Yeah. And it just has that theme going for it throughout everything. So again. To the point where if you're not listening to the lyrics, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're just grooving along to the sounds that the rest of the band and Burn himself is making, you know, following the melody line. Yeah. So when this song started, this I Get Wild, the beat is off to me. Because I'm expecting more synth dance rock. Yeah. But Chris France, his beat to start the song is so unorthodox and out there, I'm thinking... Are they trying to be smart again? Are they like galaxy braining this? Like, what yeah. in the hell are they doing? Yeah. But as the song went along, I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah. This this is more of a reggae tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, not not reggae tone like Daddy Yankee, but a tone of reggae. Oh, yeah, I, I I had the same kind of thoughts, man. When the uh, the song kicked off, I'm like, oh, this is not as wild. As the previous tracks. Yeah, but once you get it, it actually kind of is. Because it is a bit of a wild departure yeah. from everything else. And, like, even giving Dave Byrne some credit here, uh, this is... Uh, I, I would say this is probably, in terms of, like, pure singing, like, there's one other... There's one song that's coming up here relatively soon Okay, that is his top vocal performance, in my opinion. However, like, the way that the chorus, like, you know, pops out... It, it, it's pretty nice. I, I like it. So, and the other thing that I can say about this, because there's not going to be too much I can get into about the lyrical analysis here. Yeah. The us at the end are kind of weird. They are. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this, why? <laughs> yeah. But again, I think, I, I, I didn't notice the us as much. Yeah. Because the reggae groove by that point I had sort of sunk into it yeah so I was more appreciating the song as it went along yeah yeah pretty much pretty cool all right so the next song the it's... next song oh wow I, I I'm feeling that we're gonna have like you know different opinions here uh we probably will um the so s- the ne- ne- next song is swamp swamp yeah so I'll let you start okay <laughs> <laughs> this is uh where it's nice having two different uh uh, host here yes we're gonna definitely have different opinions here so swamp when this song first started out i was like uh what is going on with these scattered vocals at the beginning like you know he's just like and the, yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> <laughs> however as the song kicked in i i would say in terms of like Tops in this this album here, burning down the house. Girlfriend is better than Swamp. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and I just by your reaction, I know that you probably have a different opinion. I do. I yeah. do have a different opinion. Um, 
I'll, I'll at least start by saying it's not a bad song. Okay. It's not a bad song. Yeah. It's just very bewildering. Yeah. Because for... I, I talked about how the last song threw me off because of its reggae beat. This song is a uh, is a shuffle, yeah. in a sense. And if any other band were doing this, if a band like, uh, I don't know, Def Leppard did this, or a band like maybe even ACDC did this, yeah. I would be like, okay, a neat little album track, it's fine. But it, it sounds so off-kilter to hear... I mean, because you talk about David Byrne's vocals and sort of his uh, stateliness. It doesn't even sound like David Byrne on this track. I know. Like, when I was listening to this, I had to do some Googling. Because I was just like, wait, is somebody else singing here? Yeah. And, I, I mean, I guess this is... When I first heard this song, I'm thinking, this is to Talking Heads... What baseball is to Michael Jordan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> this is you trying to do something different just because you can. Yeah. Without perhaps thinking about whether or not you should. Yeah. And again, it's it's a fine track, but compared to the rest of the album up to this point, yeah. it's just so far out of the way and off kilter. I mean... I, I, I'm guessing there's a little bit of lyrical analysis as to what it all means, but just, just from a spiritual musical standpoint, like I'm not sure why the band tried to do this. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, were they trying to keep some of their rock cred? Yeah. Were they making fun of like the blues or like swamp rock in a sense? Yeah. The I, I didn't do too much lyrical analysis on this one here. The only thing that I was able to make a note of. So, like, this album is called Speaking in Tongues. Yeah. And the chorus goes, Hi, 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 hi. Yeah. <laughs> that is, like, them speaking in tongues. Is, is that what is, is that what you've read about, or is this your assumption? That, that's what I read about. Okay. Yeah. But, like, I, I I do acknowledge that this song does stick out like a, uh, a sore thumb. It really does. It, it, it would be like Metallica covering American Idiot. Like, it would make more <laughs> sense for Alice in Chains to do this song. Yeah, pretty much. Um, again, not bad. Like it's, it's, it's a competent song. Yeah. I do kind of like the little chorus that, you know, just sort of... Because it does have a menacing tone to it yeah. that feels appropriate, but at the same time... Compared to what else has been going on so far, it doesn't feel appropriate at all. Yeah. It just seems so way out, and I'm just... Especially considering that the the rest of the album at this point sort of goes back to what it was doing on side A. Yeah. Um, kind of makes this even more perplexing. Yeah. So, I mean, again, not a bad song, but definitely like... Um, uh, I'm trying... I think it was Todd in the Shadows. I forget what. Um, oh, yeah. He was talking about the album uh, Paula mm. by uh, Robin Thicke. Yeah. And he was talking about how there was... It, it's it's a breakup album and how all the songs were dreary and very thematic. Yeah. But there's a song in there called uh, Tippy Toes, which is just like super upbeat and kind of goofy. Yeah. And he referred to that as like the Shapoopy of Robin Thicke's album. And Shapoopy, of course, being the... Um, song for the Music Man that sort of is right in the middle there, just sort of as a weird like ensemble number. Yeah. Um, 
popularized modernly by Family Guy because, of course, they did. Um, <laughs> As Family Guy does. But this is the Shapoopy of speaking in tongues. I, I can get down with this Shapoopy. Okay, that's fair. That's <laughs> fair. But I do acknowledge, like, why you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, are you done talking about Swamp? Yeah, I'm done talking about Swamp. Okay. So, Moon Rocks. What'd you think about the song? I liked it. I okay. liked it. it. It was a nice return to form on the album. Um, definitely a bit out there. Um, very, very spacey. Uh, I think Burns' vocals on these are very, very good. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the band sounds fine. I, I would say that their crispness on the back half, I don't know if it's just because I'm familiar to it at this point, but it doesn't feel as crisp as it was on the first side. Yeah. Um, but it still sounds fine. It's still, you know, it's competent, it's groovy, it's everything you expect it to be. Yeah, I feel like at this point, look, the band's just, just having fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, again, they probably used a lot of, like, their prime material, like, leading off the album. Yeah. But, like, again, like, they're like, hey, yeah, hey, let's just, let's, let's just jam, man, and just come up with something. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. And the, the nice thing, and even just taking a step back from, like, this song specifically, but, like, this band, I'm probably... Gusting on, the, probably due to the, well, let me take a step back and not speak in tongues here. <laughs> Based on the fact that, like, I've just vibed so much with this album specifically. Yeah. I'm probably going to have to do a Talking Heads, like, you know, deep dive. Probably. In terms of my uh, listening habits. However, like, uh, when we were in uh, college and we had that radio show. Yeah. We had that Michael Jackson episode. And we did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We okay. Did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but please continue. <laughs> and uh, our ho- our guest at the time, Bobby Nolte, he was talking about like how the each oh, instrumental right. line could be a prominent feature in any other song. Of, yes. Like, the, the song is Billy Jean. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm starting to remember this now. Yeah. So, like, I feel like there's just so many, like, you know, moments in this album where, like, it's, like, that's the case. Like, each member is doing such a creative aspect, but they all interlink together. Like, it's so nice. Yeah. And I think, too, you mentioned the piece by piece and where they come from. Uh, again, I don't know... A bunch about the Talking Heads, but I think it's it's pretty common knowledge that their rhythm section with uh, Tina Weymouth and Chris Franz, the husband and wife duo, yeah. Uh, at this time, I don't think it was. I mean, it was separate from the band. But I don't think they had separated from the band. That makes any sense to go and make Tom Tom Club, yeah. Um, which was very more influenced in like synth pop and especially like funk and even rap. Yeah. They got into so I think you definitely hear a lot of that influence on this record, and it. Again, I feel like if you took that on its own, it could be its own component of super strength. Yeah. But it works with everything else here. I'm going to have to check out that uh, that group there, because I've never heard about them. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's the one song they did, did um, I think it's called Genius of Love. Yeah. Which seems to have been sampled by everyone and anyone yeah. over the course of the last 40 years that it's been in existence. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it'd be interesting to check them out. Yeah. And uh, the just wrapping out Moon Rocks here, the lyrics are basically about taking drugs. The experience about taking drugs. 
Yeah, I, I, I kind of got that. Yeah, so <laughs> there's not much more than that. It's so. the 80s drugs. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to Pull Up the Roots. I really didn't have that that much notes in here for this song. I don't either, except I will say it's really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say this is probably the best track on the back half of the album by okay. far. Uh, again, I think very similar to... Slippery People, it sort of has that sort of gospel-esque feel or very worldly feel to it Yeah, that you don't really hear too much else in the album because the rest of the album is pretty, I don't want to say sterilized because it's not, yeah. um, but a very polished funk where I think this one's a little bit grittier. Yeah. I think this song is very much, I talked about Big Jacker earlier, um, you know, a song like I Just Want to See His Face off Exile on Main Street where it's very in the grunge, very sort of digging into uh, a certain grittiness. I think that that's what this song does for this album. Mm. It's very gritty. It's funky. It's It, it almost has sort of like a, uh, like I said, like a very soulful type of feel to it. And I just think it's very good. I think Bird's vocals on it are among the top tier on this album. Yeah. Um, I, I really love his po- uh, punchy vocal delivery. In I really song, do, yeah. too. And, like, you know, um, like, this song as a whole, it's another, like, you know, screw the system man kind of song. And the elements of, like, world music and funk really yes. uh, play well in here. And just the the pan is just tearing into the chorus in the song. And the mm-hmm. the, the bass and the synths are so nice. They really yeah. are. Um, and, and, if, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's this song. It's either this song or the previous song where... The last like couple minutes is just like the uh, the bass and the drums just doing their own thing, for the most part. It might have been the previous song. Okay, because yes. w- the first time I heard, it, I was like, I really like this. Yeah, like uh, how has this not been sampled by every '90s hip hop artist? Yeah. Because it's just a nice little funk break. Yeah, and the uh, the no- the last little thing I want to talk about here is that sax outro. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. I think it's the only time we hear a saxophone on this album. Probably. Yeah. So, all right. So moving on to this must be the place. The yes, the last track on the album. And when I was first listening to this album, like you know, on uh, Spotify, I saw like the disparity in like you know the plays with like like burning down the house, the rest of the album. And then you get to This Must Be The Place. Yeah. And I had no idea that this was one of their hits. Really? Yeah, apparently, like... Well, did you know? I didn't know it was a hit. I I, I didn't even really know about the song beforehand, either. Oh, yeah. Like, if I'm not mistaken, like, it... I, I think it Now, had, when you say hit, do you mean, like, it has a lot of, like, uh, tra- traction on Spotify? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay, because the, the thing with that is that it may not have been a hit at the time, but it may have been used somewhere else in some other context, which may provide more of a... Because, I mean, there's been there's songs like... Um, uh, it's not a great example because it was also a hit back... Well, I'll use an example anyway. Oh, yeah. Running Up That Hill. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was it was like a number I think it was number 30 like back when it first came out in the mid 80s. Yeah. But thanks to Stranger Things it got a lot more traction of course. I'm sure it probably there's not enough notches for it to gain on Spotify as far as plays. Um so being used in a different media or being revived due to like TV or movies 
uh, could definitely like boost up a, a Spotify thing, and you maybe wonder well, what's what's all that about, and kind of dive back into that. So I because I, I don't I don't think the Talking Heads had many top forty hits in period. Yeah, I think the only ones they had, at least from the top of my mind, are Burning Down the House and uh, their cover of Al Green's Take Me to the River. Yeah, um, yeah. and I think that's if that's not it, it's close. Yeah, I feel like. I, I, the way that this became a hit is the um, the, the the Talking Heads. They've released like live albums uh, yeah. consistently, and the Stop Making Sense album, like the live version of this song, yeah. apparently really popped off, really nice. Yeah. And for those of you who are kind of curious more about this song, like I have not seen the video, but I the one noti- noticeable like. Not noticeable, but the noteworthy uh, aspect of this song is that there's a YouTube video out of David Byrne dancing with a lamp. Oh, while like while singing the song. So gotcha. And apparently, this song is a uh, uh, it's as described by uh, Mr. David Byrne as one of the most direct love lyrics he's ever written. And yeah, like. What, so, are, what are your thoughts on this song? Well, first of all, before we I get into my, my thoughts on this song, um, to, to go back to what you were talking about like with the music video, yeah. it's another thing that I didn't think about, is that a lot of songs, believe it or not, if you go back to like the most popular like MTV videos of all time, yeah. maybe about like half of them were actually like pop songs. Yeah. Like a, like one of the more iconic MTV videos of all time is Video Killed the Radio Star was the first one on MTV, yeah. but it only reached like number 40. Yeah, and but now like now that people are like, oh yeah, I remember that from like watching the video on MTV. You now I can hear the song, and nah. that might pop it up a little bit. So maybe some people are like, oh, I remember that Talking Heads video that was on MTV, and now I can hear the song as much as I want to, and that's why it's building up. But back to the song itself, um, I do. You mentioned the contrast between it and the rest of the album. Just the contrast between it and the previous song uh, <laughs> is yeah. very pronounced because uh, pull up the roots, very gritty, very. Um, almost angry in a way. Very, yeah. uh, um, I wouldn't say militant, but very, uh, you know, in the grunge, uh, spiritually and musically. Whereas this one feels more like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. You know, like, 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 um, pulling up the roots is like going through the jungle. Yeah. Like in the middle of the night. And this must be the place is like getting out of the, the woods and seeing sunlight and a clear field or something. Oh, this is nice. Yeah, yeah. This must be the place. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. Look at look at you, man. So, like, so at the very beginning of this uh, episode here, I talked about how there is one spot in here where I don't really care. There, like, there's certain moments in this album that I don't care for David Burns' vocals. This is this is the main spot here. At the very end of the song, where like you know he's kind of like croning on, his vocals kind of grind a little bit. I can understand that. Yeah. I can understand that. I wasn't too put off by it. I mean, I was probably more um, like once I sort of heard the tone of the song at the start, um, like I was like, I, all right, I get the song. Like, I wasn't even sure if it wasn't an instrumental at first. Yeah, like it kind of goes on for a minute before Burn starts singing. Yeah. But then after that, I was just like, okay, this is this is nice. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so yeah, that, that's the album there. That is the album. So um, overall, what would you rate this out of ten? 
Uh, what would I rate this out of 10? I'd probably give it a... Huh, that's a good question. I'd probably give it a 7.5. All right. Because I, 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 I do like, for the most part... Like, like, let me put it this way. You take out Swamp, this is probably like an 8.5 or a 9. Okay. Uh, but it, that one just cut... The, 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 this is why I was so like hard on Swamp. The vibe from the first half of the album, the, the dance vibe of the entire record, just is halted dead in its tracks on that song. It goes so far the way that when you come back, it just doesn't feel the same. It's almost like you're speaking in tongues. In, in a sense, yeah. It does feel like you're speaking in tongues. Um, but that being said, there's not really a bad song on this album either, so I can't be too hard on it. Um, even Swamp does have its own sort of style to it which is you know at least recognizable if nothing else but overall the first half of the album is fantastic uh burning down the house is one of their more popular songs and it deserves to be um other tracks like uh pull pull up the roots and girlfriend is better i think are great album tracks yeah and just the, the overall dance vibe and the execution by the band makes this a very good album cool cool would you be returning? Would you explore different albums fully from them going forward? Uh, I probably would. I, at the very least, maybe um, I might go the basic boy route and check out uh, Remain in Light and possibly Stop Making Sense. Because I've heard Stop Making Sense, like people referring to it as like the greatest concert film of all time. Yeah. Which is a bit of a high mark, but I've certainly a selling point to... At least get me to check it out because I've seen like I think two videos from it—the sort of the first video and then the last video. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say uh, like our, our previous episode was Led Zeppelin, and uh, like I'll, I'll give this a little spiel, and then I'll, I'll give my uh, rating, and then we can do our next album recommendations. Yeah. So, after we did our Led Zeppelin 4 thing, I at least checked out one more album in the meantime. And that was Houses of the Holy. Yeah. And, fantastic album, man. So, like, yeah. I, I'm glad, like, you know, one, like, you know, I, I'm glad that we're doing this this project here. Because it's really opening my eyes to different kind of music. Cause, yes. Like, my, my main focal points are... Like, hey, what's the latest thing that Anthony Fantano is talking about? Yeah. Or, like, what's going to be on Brooklyn Vegans? Hey, listen to this for this week. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> like, it's nice going back to, like, this, old, this di- like, a different kind of lane and being like, hey, there's actually, like, good crap here, man. Yeah. So, I am going to give this a 9 out of 10. 9 out? Okay. Yeah. Solid. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Like, the only thing that I would say that... Oh, holds it back from being a 10 out of 10 is one david burns vocals aren't really as accessible unless you take a step back and like listen in and or do like you know some research which i've done and like the grinding of the vocals and this must be the place and there's a couple spots here or there where it kind of misses but when this out al- when this band and this album like when it hits it hits man uh-huh. like burning down the house swamp <laughs> right G- girlfriend is better and even like the vocal play in like you know slippery people yes like it, it, it's it's so so bloody good man so bloody good now I, I hear that I, I I will say slightly disagree with you on um the the fact of 
Burns' vocals being not like as pronounced, yeah, as or, or as accessible as you said. Yeah. I think the I, mean, I agree with you on that, but at the same time, I think that uh, the ex, the lack of accessibility plays into what they're trying to do. Yeah, it, it definitely does not like you know lower the score, for right? Because right. I mean, heck, I gave this out a nine out of ten. That that's the only thing that's holding it back from being the ten out of ten. Uh, that and maybe just a more personal connection to the album. So true. Maybe in like you know five years from now, if we redo this review here, <laughs> this might be a ten out of ten. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, like, do you have a next album recommendation? Because I, I have a couple. Okay. Um. For for example, in in the year that we were recording this, it's two thousand twenty three. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw the uh, notes that I wrote in our little uh, file. Oh. Um. I, I did add a few. I didn't tell you this, but I did add a few. Oh, okay. Um, this is the 10th anniversary of an album that we've discussed in prior years, um, or at least made brief mentions of. Yeah. Uh, a album by the name of Yeezus. Oh, good old Yeezus, man. And I'm thinking 10 years down the line, maybe diving back into that, because I haven't heard that album probably since the year of 2013. Yeah. So maybe give it a, a, a listen and see... Uh, if anything is better, if it's worse, or what have we, considering we've had 10 years since then and 10 years of very different variations of one Kanye West. Yeah. Uh, so, the one album that I'm going to recommend from here, okay. and it, like when I originally like you know did this recommendation, I was just like, one, I can't recommend another Talking Heads album because I don't know any of the other ones. Like, That's good, fair. Well enough to be like, hey, check this out. Then I thought, oh, maybe like Hot Fuss by the Killers. I'm like, no, that's just my brain going back to what we talked about before. Yeah. So I actually stuck with uh, uh, an album by the only band that matters, The Clash. The Clash. And their album, uh, Sandinista. Oh, the, the follow-up to uh, London Calling. Yeah, the, the, okay. the triple LP that <laughs> <laughs> has elements of like world music and the Clash trying to like you know like you know stretch themselves out you know in terms of like you know their, their musicality yeah I that album does not hit as well as like you know speaking in tongues does but if you guys are like like looking into like you know checking out more like punk rock that's infused with like elements of like world music and funk yeah that would be an excellent like you know pivot from here. So, oh, so you were talking about recommending albums based off this album? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about albums for us to talk about. Oh, okay. Well, I, that, that's why that's why I brought up Jesus. Yeah. Um, oh, as far as oh, okay. Um, I mean, you can go with the Jesus recommendation. I mean, sure, if you if you want to. I mean, <laughs> we, we, we may discuss that later. I mean, I don't know. It's just like, but, um, as far as albums to go off of this, whew, that's a really good question. Um, as far as like consistency and danceability. Oh, I have another one. Go for it. So, going modern day. Actually, let me let me look up the official. Actually, I do have an answer now. Okay, think about you, it. you go. Then I can go. Then. Um, as far as a album that very much has some twists and turns, some world elements, and some very danceable rhythms. Yeah. Um, not quite as consistent on the funk element as speaking in tongues but definitely there's elements of it and an album i would very highly recommend 
uh, Reflector by Arcade Fire. Oh, heck yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, particularly songs like uh, Hey Orpheus, um, It's Never Over. Um, I'd probably throw Here Comes the Night in there as well. We Exist very... I, I, I ranked that as my number one song of 2013 back when we did Music Talk 101. And I don't think I would change that. Maybe I would. I would have to deep dive into the entire year of 2013. Yeah. But no, I would highly recommend that album for anyone who listens to Speaking in Tongues and thinks, hey, I like that dance sound, that world mix. What else you got for me? I would go to Reflector first. Yeah. And I can't believe I, I this band completely escaped my mindset when talking about this. But you were talking, like, as you were, like, trying to think of, like, you know, yeah. your ultimate choice there. I might actually change my pick from Sandadista to... This is happening by LCD LCD Sound System. Okay, yeah. I, I can I can dig that. And like, think about like all of like the tracks that uh, are off that album. Like what they've done as a whole. Like you know, Dance Yourself Playing, fantastic song. Uh, and da- Daft Punk Daft Punk is playing at my house. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean it, yeah. it's like and that's an, and another band with another album that could probably fit in that category. Daft yeah. Punk. Yeah, with uh, either either discovery or um, random access memories. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty good, pretty good. So, but at, the, at that at that point, though, you are sort of diving away from mixing art rock with dance to um, simply just suggesting good dance records, which isn't a bad idea. Yeah, but you know, yeah. So I'm I'm glad you clarified that because um, I, I just want to make it clear that. Ryan is recommending Sandinista for those who dig speaking tongues. I'm recommending Reflector by Arcade Fire. Yeah. And as far as albums I want to do in the future, as far as us talking on this show, show episodes, uh, Yeezus would be one of them. Just just for us to discuss. You want to do that next? We can do that next. Okay, cool. Because, like... I, I picked this album as like the one that we were going to do. Yes. So, so our next episode is going to be Jesus. We'll do Jesus as our next episode. Oh, Lord help us. <laughs> well, I'm just glad because, it, not, not that I have anything against The Clash at all, but I, I you mentioned that as a triple LP, and I'm, in my mind I'm thinking, is he requesting that we do an episode on a three LP album? What the hell? That's going to be like two episodes. <laughs> Or three episodes. Or three episodes. <laughs> I don't think I would ever like. I I did take a, I did notate a lot out of this album. I don't think I can have the attention span to do Sandadista. No, that would be like a, a, a school paper. Yeah. Level of detail. And like I feel like at certain points I'll be like, oh okay, this is nice. Next song. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that is a wrap for this episode. Anything else you want to add about this album, this podcast as a whole before I send us out? Uh, that if you like this podcast and you like what you hear, uh, tell a friend, tell a family member, or tell a stranger because you never know. It's like, I, I don't know this person, but I, I know they listen to music and or podcasts, so here you go. Tell a random person on the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we don't have merch yet. Make your own. <laughs> so... Uh, also, in, a, in, a, in addition to like you know spreading the word about the pod, if your podcasting platform of choice does have the capability of doing a review, please give us a five star review. We have a couple episodes in the bank right now. 
a little inside baseball here today. We are officially launching the podcast for the masses. We're going to be releasing the Hot Fuss episode. Yes. So, uh, so, so I, anyone who's listening to this episode will be like, oh, yeah, timing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, overall, great episode. Uh, Agreed. Good album. Yeah. So that is pretty much it. So, bye bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Hey, Listen to This. Don't try the ribs.